Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. I'm your host, Philip Van Dusen, and today I am super excited because I am here with Amy McGlynn, and Amy is a copywriter and strategic marketing consultant that specializes in helping brands create impact and influence with words. Amy has deep experience in content writing and conversion copywriting, and she knows exactly how brands can express their values in a way that's irresistible to their audience. Through her writing expertise, the brands that Amy worked with become more inspiring, persuasive, and get more attention from their audience. She lives in Vermont with her husband, three daughters, and her dog, Winnie. And with that, I welcome Amy. I'm so glad to be here, Philip. Thanks for having me. So I have to tell everybody quickly why I know your dog's name, and that is because Amy and I used to be neighbors, but now she has moved up to the wilds of Vermont. And we'll probably get into that in a little more detail as we go on. But Amy, why don't you just give everybody a quick description of your business and maybe a tidbit of your personal life so people can get to know you better? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think you said it all in that introduction, but I I think the one thing that I would just add to that is that, you know, words are powerful. Like when we are trying to, when we are using marketing uh, to help influence people to make decisions, to grow brands, to do things like that, words are the magic that I use and words create the change that people need to hear about, need to imagine, need to envision for themselves. That's really what I think um, is underlines the importance of my work is that the words create change. Like Seth Godin always talks about that, right? Marketing is about creating change. I think that's so true. I do it through words. So how did you, how does one go about learning copywriting? Did you go to school for it? Like, how'd you learn copywriting? Yeah. Okay. Really great question. And probably some people would say I learned the wrong way. I will never forget. I, um, I have spent my entire life, a very happy career in marketing. I started out in public relations. That was my very first job out of school. And then I went to Madison Avenue and I worked at Young and Rubicam. I worked at Gray. Um, You know, I did all the things, but I was never a copywriter there. I was, I did the media side. I did the account side of those things. I kind of got it all backwards. As As a matter of fact, I remember when I was a senior media planner at Young and Rubicam, I was working on the Army account and I would sit with a colleague of mine who was also a media planner and we both wanted to be creatives so badly. And this is what we would do. We would, everybody would leave the office, you know, and and I was, you know, like whatever, 20 something years old. I had my own office. Everybody had their own office. And uh, we would sit there and pretend <laughs> as 20 something year olds that we were the creatives on the newest campaign that we were launching and what would we do? I mean, it's kind of ridiculous now, but when when I look back at it and it's slightly embarrassing, but not embarrassing enough for me to keep it 100% to myself because I think it's so important that um, as creators, as creatives, we understand that you always create twice, right? You create first in your imagination and then you create in the real world. And that's what I was doing at the age of uh, 20, whatever I was, you know, I was pretending to be a copywriter. And then um, and then I moved on to, I wanted to have tighter experience in an in-house, um, in-house situation. So I moved into technology at that point. Oh, then, what'd you do in technology? Yeah. 
I worked, uh, let me see, what was my, well, it was the dot-com era. So I worked at a streaming media company when people were like selling airtime on streaming, you know, streaming airtime, like, you know, that was a, that was a thing to sell. It was kind of really interesting. Um, so I did that for a while. That was a great job and that company, guess what happened? It went under, but, um, you know, and then I went on to write and not write. Then I went on to work for other technology companies, just as, you know, director of marketing, head of marketing, that sort of thing. I worked for a company that produced enterprise architecture software. And if you don't know what that is, you can live a totally full and happy life without <laughs> knowing what that is. It is really complicated. It is um, used by a lot of governments and big companies um, that create things like huge uh, aircrafts, ships things like that, where a lot of different parts need to come together. Uh, so I did that. And then, like many women my age, I had kids. And I, um, my husband thought it would, you know, he and I both talked and we thought like, you know what, just stay at home for a little bit. And so I stayed at home for probably longer than I should have. And I think that that is one regret that I have too, is that I didn't continue my career. Um, not that I regret being at home with my kids, but that I didn't continue my career in some way. Um, but then guess what? Life kicks you in the rear end. And and my husband got laid off and I, and I had done some work, you know, I had done some work. I actually had done some branding work during that time, but nothing with a fire under my rear end. You know what I mean? Like it was all Oh, fire me like, similar. I got to get it done. I got to do this. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't like that. It looked a lot like a hobby. You know mm. what I mean? So um, then my husband got laid off and something needed to happen. And I knew that it was me that needed to make that happen. It was my at bat. Like I needed to do this. I, I felt it in my, in my gut. Um, and I looked back on my career and I thought like, you know, every time I have a client, like an independent client, or um, I worked in-house, or I did anything, everybody always asked me to write. That was just the one thing. People would say things like, your voice is so clear in your writing, or like, um, you know, you say it better than I do, or, you know, those sorts of things. And I thought, like, if I'm going to reinvent myself right now, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take a huge chance. And I remember being at a party, like a cocktail party during that time when I was formulating this new idea of who the new Amy was going to be, right? Like the post baby, like what's going to happen to Amy now, Amy. And I was at a party with a, with a colleague that both you and I know. And this person is a, is a very, very well-regarded creative. Um, I think he's an excellent copywriter and art director at the same time. And I told him what I was going to do. I had a smile on my face. I was so proud of myself for figuring out like what is at the center of me and my career. And he said, copywriter, you can't do that. You, you, you have to be, you have to, you know, be an apprentice. You got to find somebody to write under. It's going to be years until you make it. That's dumb. You can't do that. And I thought, no, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't so talk to those old school guys. Person. Yeah. They're like too yeah. wrapped up in the process. They're not entrepreneurial enough. So you didn't mm -hmm. do it that way. What did you do? So you decided to go balls to the wall. I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump in. How did Amy jump into copywriting? Okay. In one word, Upwork. That's how I started okay. to jump in. All right. I just, 
I just started that way. I thought like, what's my niche, right? Like I'm a marketer at heart. I know what I'm doing. Where's my niche? What am I, what am I going to write about? I love personal development. I love anything about personal development. That is what I should be writing about. So that I would say was correct step number one. And there are probably only like three correct steps in this story. So that's correct. Step number one is, uh, you know, picking what I love to do because I was going to do it all day long, every day. So I picked what I love to do. So I went on Upwork and I found somebody who was desperate enough to hire somebody that had never, you know, written an article before. And this is what I did. I mean, I got them in with pricing and with my own, um, you know, with my own cover letter, so to speak, right? Like, hey, look, this is this I, I I know all about this topic. This woman happened to be a career coach. And I had known I know a lot about that industry and a lot about the best practices. And I said, if you give me a shot at this, I will charge you $25 for a thousand word article. And if you like it, I'll charge you a little more. And if you like that one, I'll charge you a little more. And as long as you're happy and as long as I'm happy, we will continue an awesome relationship together. So that very first article I wrote took me 10 hours to write. It's an article, right? It's an article that I could write in. I like the, the ego in me wants to say less than an hour. It probably take me like an hour and 15 minutes to write it. It took me 10 hours. I was not so great on grammar. I mean, I'm like, I know a lot about grammar, but I am not, uh, I wasn't at that level. I am a horrible speller. That is just one thing that is, you know, is what it is with me and being a copywriter. Um, and I wanted to get it perfect. I wanted to do it right. I wanted to ha to put the best out there for this woman. And so there were, you know, I worked, it took, I told her I would have it to her in three days and I, it took me 10 hours. I mean, that was a lot for a mom with three kids at home. And I just, I knew I needed to do it. And I powered through and she loved it. And I had a relationship with her for three years until her business changed a little bit and mine did too. And we had a fantastic relationship the, the whole way through. So it was perfect. So you got her through Upwork. So how did you, how did you expand? How did you end up getting more clients? Well, I worked on Upwork for quite some time. I definitely worked that algorithm. I, I would seek out people who are having a lot of success on Upwork and ask them, how'd you do it? What'd mm. you do? You know, so you reached what, out to what, them directly and asked them I, what they're doing. Absolutely. I oh, reached wow. out to them directly. Okay. Yeah. And I, I looked at their profiles and I studied their profiles. And then I also said, like, what do I need to know? What do you see? Where are the gaps in, in my, uh, funnel, so to speak, in my profile and in what I'm doing. Yeah. And they would let me know. But you know what the really cool thing was, is that they would also say, by the way, I have some clients I can't handle anymore, right? Because they're super uh, successful on LinkedIn. Smart. That is one of the cheats that I use all the time is like, talk to the really successful people early, like talk to them right away and talk to them in a really frank and authentic way so that you can become, you know, friends with them and, and, peers with them. And I got a lot of clients that way. People saying like, oh, I've got this, you know, I don't know, I guess you can say brand names on this show because it is a brand name show. Like I've got this J&J &J client and I just can't handle them. I mean, do you want them or what? You know? And you're like, guess what uh, I would say? pharma? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because also, and that's so funny too, because you couldn't get into pharma if you didn't have pharma experience, right? Like we all know that. Right. Like pharma And as is soon like, as you do, you're like a pharma person and then everyone right. wants you. 
Right. Right. Exactly. And so if you just, you know, talk to these people, they see that you're normal and you, you know, you've got a good portfolio and they're just like, go for it. You know, you don't have former experience, but it's the only thing you don't have. Go for it. So, so that's what I would do for a while. Um, I did Upwork. I would do experiments on Upwork. I would, I would send out 30, uh, cover letters in like two or three days time to see and change different variables in them and see like what the return on them was and just, I would just kind of go crazy to try to optimize it. And at the end of the day, I really felt like it wasn't 100% where I needed to be. You you couldn't optimize it that well. People were really looking for like, like I had one guy that interviewed me for an hour over a $30 article. Oh. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right? when you're like, time to move on. <laughs> time, yes. So I, I knew it was time to move the on. The one thing that I heard you say, though, that I think is really important to kind of highlight is the fact that you, right out of the gate, right when you were beginning, you like hitched your star to people who were really succeeding. And you and you did it in a way that you were kind of approaching it in two ways. One, you were really looking and, and assessing your competition in your competitive space. And you were right. saying, okay, how can I leverage to a certain extent th- these people's expertise, but also it turned out you were leveraging their clients and their and their audience at the same time. Yeah, it's true. I didn't go into it that way. I'll mm-hmm. be honest. I didn't go into it that way. I just wanted to get better at what I did. And I didn't either better at copywriting or better at getting clients or, you know, what, what, whatever it is that I was trying to get better at. I just wanted to get better. And I know that if I were in that position, I would completely want to help somebody else. And so I never felt that as a barrier, like, oh, they're smarter than me. They have, you know, they have bigger clients than me. Like I'm going to have those big clients soon. And, you know, we're going to be, you know what I mean? Like you have to envision your future self having that conversation rather than your current self having that conversation. Yeah. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. So you're a copywriter and you were doing content for other people, writing for all sorts yeah. of different sort of writing needs. How did you develop your own brand? So you're writing, you got clients, you're doing projects. How did you, I know now that you also use content to develop your own brand to market yourself and become more visible. How did you start going about that? I think practicing on, the, on my clients and practicing on other people was a really great way for me to go about it personally everybody's got their own different style with how they create their own content and how they do their own branding for me i even as a little kid i'm always like let me see you do it first and then i'll do it you know and and that's that's how i learned like there's a certain kind of 
way of learning that there, there's a word for that for sure. Um, some people love to just dive right in and make all the mistakes. That's not me. Some people can hear the instructions and then they can just go ahead and do it. That's not me. I like to see other people do it and then I can go ahead and do it. And so that's what I did. I helped people with their brands at first and started writing, you know, long, mostly long form content for them. And then I got into more social media stuff and doing short form stuff. And I saw what they were doing was not that difficult, not that laborious. You know, it wasn't taking up a ton of time or a ton of energy from them. And if I want to succeed in this world, I need to do it too. So that's my next step at bat when I started marketing my own services. So when you started doing content for yourself, what did you choose a single platform? Did you try to show up in a bunch of places? How did you go about it? What kind of content did you do and where'd you do it? It was always LinkedIn for me, 100%. And I'll tell you why, because my mom's not on LinkedIn. <laughs> my mom is always like, <laughs> like, she's always, you know, when you're on Facebook, she's always like, oh, when you were little, you used to do that. It's like, mom, back off. I'm Don't trying to be Don't drop that in the comments. This is for my clients. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad, you know? So um, I tried Instagram for a little bit. I tried doing a a word, I think I called it word bird 28. And I tried, you know, like writing about different words, you know, and, and how to, how to kind of embrace words as your magic, uh, power, so to speak. Um, and I did that for a little bit and I got a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, but that, that didn't have a ton of staying power. Then I, then I landed on LinkedIn and those were my people. And I felt like, because I am, I can be serious and, um, and really businesslike. And I liked that, that that's how people showed up on LinkedIn. There were no blurred lines there. So that felt good to me. One of the best things that I did to start writing my content was start reading. And that sounds, you know, like a little bit like, wait, what, you know, what are you talking about there? I'll tell you what, this is what I did. I watched an incredible legendary conversion copywriter give a speech that ended with a challenge. And the challenge was here are 13 books. This is what you need to do. You need to read each one of these books. And I'll take he took the books one at a time. First, you read the book. Next, you read it with a highlighter and you highlight the book. Next, you go back and you write by hand on pen and paper with pen and paper all of the things that you've highlighted. Because as a copywriter, you know, like you have to get like those cadences down and those phrases down and the and you know, like there's a lot to do in that way. So I I'm that type of person. I was like, I'll take that. I'll take this challenge. I'll totally freaking do this. This guy makes $1 million per landing page that he writes. Whoa. Um, yeah. He, he, he is one of those people that you can't find him. Like if you really want to hire him and you have the million dollars, you cannot find him because guess what? He's working for himself. He's writing, you know, he's doing his own thing. And that's what a lot of copywriters do is they have their own gig and it's usually in fitness so that they can, uh, you know, get their chops, you know, and, and do like the, the side, the side hustle, so to speak, but, you know, really just sharpening their skills. So I took on this really big task of getting all of these books, um, read, highlighted and written by hand. And I thought this takes up a lot of my time. What if I just went online and commented and did videos about what I'm learning about in all of these books. Number one, so I can kind of teach to learn, you know, like learn it because I'm I'm teaching it. And then also just any small business owner that like wants to go along with me on this on this uh, roller coaster of <laughs> reading and writing and you know all that sort of stuff. Go for it, like come with me. That's awesome. It's like Amy's Cliff so, Notes. 
it is it was like that and it, it, you know i didn't i didn't drag you through the whole book i just took you like through the parts that i thought were really great I did this series at the very beginning of the pandemic on testimonials that absolutely took off because there was a chapter on testimonials, how to do testimonials, right? Mm. And I happened to be working with some clients at the time that were very into testimonials and um, needed work on their testimonials. Isn't that great how sometimes just everything comes together? It was wildly popular. People really got a lot from it. People that I, you know, were of course on my network, but I wouldn't even think would watch it. And they were like, wow, that is so fascinating. So that's where I feel like I really hit my stride. And that's my favorite way to create content is just comment on what you're reading. So you talked about LinkedIn a little bit. So you made LinkedIn your platform and you have become in doing that a bit of a LinkedIn expert in terms of profiles and what works in profiles and the functionality of LinkedIn and how that's changed. Can you talk a little bit about how creative professionals or entrepreneurs could leverage LinkedIn in their profiles in different ways, or maybe some of the things that they should really, really watch out about? And I know you could talk about this for like 45 minutes because I've hired you to do that. <laughs> but let's do the Amy Cliff Notes version. Like, what do you yeah, really yeah. need to know? Absolutely. Okay. I would say three things you need to know. Number one, pay really close attention to your headline. Uh, Your headline is really important and don't go onto the default LinkedIn headline, which would be just your name and the title that you currently hold right now. You have 220 characters to fill in that headline. Fill them all. I when I do headlines for for people, I you know I'm coming up at like 218, 219. Like I am maximizing everything. I'm squeezing that shirt dry. You know, like I'm just squeezing all the water out of it. Um, why do you want to do that? Two reasons. Number the first and most important is the searchability. You want all of the relevant terms that you want associated with your name to be in that headline because the LinkedIn algorithm searches. N- First, your name, when somebody puts something in the search bar, that's that's the first thing. So I put if I put in, you know, Philip and Van Dusen, then of course, obviously you're gonna come up. But then it second searches your headline. So you want your headline to have all your keywords in it. People don't like this advice because it looks really chunky and clunky mm. and not really readable when you look on LinkedIn. You have to, there is a fine line between readable and um and you know, writing for SEO, but I encourage everybody to just kind of push the envelope there and put a lot of your keywords in your headline so that you can get found for the awesome work that you do. So that would be number one. Number two, tell your story. In your about section, tell your story from how you want to tell it, you know, to your people, you know, love letters to your people right there, you know, like tell what your mission is, what your journey's been, what your passion's all about, like what you do best, like allow yourself to shine so that people can really understand what you're all about. And also as your friendly neighborhood copywriter, I have to say, use make it skimmable, right? So put in kind of like emojis and things so that the eye can take a break and that people's eyes can go to the pertinent pieces of information that you have. But definitely tell your story a little bit. Tell where you've come from and what you can do for them and you're gonna be great. And then number three is pay attention to your network. You really wanna curate your network of, like I curate my network for my audience is people that I would like to write for, which are career coaches and executive coaches and creatives as well. Um, that's that's who I curate my, my uh my network with. It doesn't have to be everybody that you've ever worked with, you know, like it, it really doesn't. You can curate a group that 
uh, pays attention to your content and that you pay attention to their content. So those are the three things I would do. Pay attention to your headline, make your about section 100% about you and totally irresistible to your target audience. And then also curate your network so you're getting what you want out of it. And then when you put things out, people are getting what they need from you. Mm. And when you post content, you, how do you get it in front of people who aren't in your network, who aren't connected to you? Do you use hashtags or how do you go about doing that? Yeah, you can use hashtags. I don't know that that's the most effective way, but I definitely wouldn't take that off the list for sure. Um, what you get, the, the biggest way to do that is to have people comment or like or share your comment. So comment, like, or share. That's what you're looking for. Mm. Because when they comment or like or share, Say somebody that we know is a, is a is um, let, let me set that up a different way. Say you have somebody that is uh, a second or third contact away from you, so they're not a first primary contact. They're going to see that information if your first primary contact, say like me, comments on it, and mm. they are in my network. Right. So that's where LinkedIn is so cool because the algorithm feeds content not. It, it's not a closed network. It's more of an open network and it feeds all of the content that you're liking, commenting on and sharing to everybody um, in your in your network. But then that's how you gain the visibility because it's not closed like Facebook. It's not closed like Instagram. I only want to see these people and these people only want to see me. It's it's the vocabulary is more in terms of networks. So they, we're, the um, information is shared beyond networks, which is really cool. And that's how you grow. And right now, the, the emphasis is more on followers, getting more followers rather than connections on LinkedIn because they're going more that social media route. So that's something you want to watch out for. Sorry about that. Some crazy truck just went by. So that showed up. <laughs> um, so when back in the day, in the Mad Men days, Creative designers and copywriters were always partnered with each other. In fact, sometimes designers and copywriters would be partners and move from agency to agency together because they were kind of a unit and not everyone did everything. So would you encourage creatives today to try to develop their own copywriter skills and DIY it and, and grow? Or would you encourage them to find a copywriter they like, they click with, and form some sort of a partnership or a bond and in order to work projects together? Like, what would you recommend to people in terms of how to attack copywriting in their own in their own businesses yeah i think both those ways and i'll add a third i think it is if you're if you're a, a brand designer a graphic designer or um some sort of visual artist having good copywriting understanding i didn't say skills i just said understanding like what is good copywriting is essential and you have that a hundred percent philip you you know what good copywriting is and i'm not to say that because we work together but you know i'm saying also, that because i hire write. you to do copywriting sometimes <laughs> <laughs> do i have to lay it on any thicker no i just it, you know what good copywriting is but and i think what you don't notice and a lot of creative directors that i work with don't notice is that they are good copywriters you know it's just like they don't maybe want to do that part or don't feel 100 percent confident in it so, okay, let's take those scenarios and then a third that I'm going to tack on. Number one, yes, develop the appreciation of copywriting. Know, know what works. I was just working with a client the other day where I had one of like um, 
top performing headlines. There were like top 100 headlines in copywriting ever that are known to convert. And I did a variation on one of the top 100s, which I think is a great idea to do like that, that sometimes can really work. And I presented it to this, it to this client, and I explained to him like, this is, you know, this is a uh, variation on one of these top 100s. And he's, oh, I, I noticed it right away. He knew, he knew what those top 100 were. I think that's a great place to start. Just Google top 100 uh, copywriting headlines of all mm. time. Know what they are. Have it have it near you at a desk and like you can riff off of it and and just at least have an understanding. He's a great client, that client, because he understands what good copywriting, you know, like he he gets at least the the gold standard, which is which is great. And that's what I think creatives need to do, at least visual visual artists. I think that you need to have an appreciation of it for sure. Should you partner with a copywriter? Of course, 100%, because this is why. Collaboration is amazing, right? Like collaboration allows you to create greater than anything you could ever create on your own. And I am almost like addicted to collaboration. I think it is just so amazing for everyone, for you, for the other person, for the client. It just really expands the entire universe of your work. So definitely collaborate because you'll learn from that person. You'll learn a different style. You'll learn how their mind works. I consider myself a collaborator with every single client I work with. I don't, they are not, I mean, I call them my client because that's the jargon that we use and whatever. They're my writing partner they're my partner and they maybe don't have the best grammar or don't have the best kind of structure or maybe they have the best of all of these things, but they don't have the confidence to get it out on paper, you know, like, or digitally or whatever, you know, they, we are partners here in creating something amazing together. So that's how I would look at it. And we always get, you know, even more than we give when, when we work in collaboration like that. So sure hire a copywriter, even if it's just for one, pro you know, you don't have to like go from agency to agency together, just one project, test it out, see how you like it. I would also recommend hiring a copywriting coach. Like if you are a visual artist in some way, and you need to have some kind of copywriting done, you can write it yourself and then have a copy coach. I mean, that's, the, that's something that exists, right? Mm. Have a copy coach, pay like, Two, three hundred bucks, have them look at some are way more, but you know, have them look it over, have them give you feedback. And then that's a way that you can do it too, where you're getting your own practice doing it. You're getting your own appreciation and understanding of copywriting. And then uh, you get a great high quality product for a client. And then you can see like either you might say like, this is a lot of work. I'm going to hire somebody next time I do this because I don't want to do this again. Or you might say like, I love this. This is awesome, um, which is what I hope you say, uh, because it is a lot of fun to do copywriting and content writing. And, you know, you might want to stick with it. So those are the three things I think that you could do. You could you could do your own stuff, collaborate with somebody else or do a mix of the two and do your own stuff and then have somebody just copy coach it. Now, chances are many of you listening might have first come across me via my YouTube channel. Building my presence on YouTube has done more to build my personal brand than any other platform. So I want to share with you the one resource that was critical in growing my channel. It's a YouTube plugin called TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is a freemium browser extension that you use to manage and optimize your YouTube channel videos. It saves a massive amount of time doing the mundane tasks like adding cards and managing your video descriptions. 
but it also provides incredible value through its video analytics, showing you data about your competitor's videos that's absolutely invisible without it. It also helps with adding metadata to your videos so they show up better in search. If you want to take your YouTube work to the next level, you have to get TubeBuddy. You can support this podcast by signing up through our affiliate link. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen. It's easy to remember. Just type in TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen to check it out. By adding TubeBuddy to your video workflow, I guarantee you your channel will grow much, much faster. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen and sign up for TubeBuddy today. You know that I'm a big proponent of masterminds. I run my own masterminds. You've participated in them. You run your own masterminds and have also facilitated other people's masterminds. So I know that you're, you know, you've drunk the Kool-Aid like me in terms of masterminds. Give me your perspective on what you think the power of those are and how you've utilized them in your own growth. Yeah, I think we just touched on it, which is the nugget of a mastermind is that collaboration, isn't it? It's it's that collaboration. It's that you don't have all the answers. You know, you just you don't have all the answers. You can't see everything you need to see. And if you are going for a big goal, if you have some kind of big dream, and I, and I hope you do, right? Like I hope everybody out there does because it's so much fun to tackle those goals and figure out, you know, what's in your way and, and, and leap over the obstacles or maybe just like shoulder through them, you know, like struggle through them. Um, you need, if you have those big type, type of goals, you need somebody else to say, hey, there's another way. There's another way to push that boulder up the mountain or there's a different mountain that you could, you could look at and the boulder is going to go a lot more easily up there um to have that type of collaboration on your own personal uh stuff you know either either your goals or your work or, or what have you is incredibly energizing and i think we all need that right now like in a time where we're feeling so isolated we're feeling so kind of beaten down and like wait this is you know what version of the new normal is this? You know, it, it's it kind of can get really, really tough to like hold your head up and say like, okay, I'm going forward with my big goal and my big dream. It's like doing it alone feels really shallow and empty. And frankly, for me, not a lot of fun. Masterminding though is a way to bring everybody together. People get excited about your goals that you get excited about their goals. I just, you know, I love it. I. I'm talking mostly when I'm talking to you now, like from personal experience, how I've experienced masterminds, the ones that I've been in and the ones that I run are just, just as exciting to see people connect, to see people uh, give each other a leg up, to, to see people that otherwise wouldn't have, have known each other come into each other's worlds and make it that much better just by advice, observation, um, encouragement, you know, support, resources, all of those things are just fantastic to get from somebody else in a mastermind. And I think it's it, especially in these times, we need to look for others and find our community. And we're doing a lot of it online and nothing wrong with that. I think one of the really interesting things about masterminds is, and you said this, you said, if you have a dream, and one of the things that I've noticed is that some people have an indication of what their dream is, 
But when they get exposed to other people's dreams and what they're doing and what they're developing or what they're exploring or where they're going with their businesses, they get inspired to try completely new things that they never thought of doing, you know, to go places that and they 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 see the nitty gritty of what someone else is developing, building, growing, exploring, and they go, Oh wow! I should explore that. I could see that how that could fit into my business in this way or that way. That's one of the things that just blows me away about masterminds is that you get things that you never thought you were going to do or be inspired to do when you start getting exposed to other people who are in the midst of it. Yes, I totally agree with you, Philip. And you know, I know you're a fan of Eckhart Tolle and the Power of Now, and I am too. And one of the things that he says in that book is that when you have a log that is burning, a bright fire, and you put it next to another log, the other log can't help but to burn. Oh, I love you know, that. it can't help but to yeah. but to be on fire. And that, I mean, you know, like we're just like two logs next to each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you just, you get that fire and you get that feeling of, of, wow, you know, I am going, and think about it. Like, if you think about it, fire just basically transforms the wood, right? And the, and we think about fire as the burn off of energy, right? Cause that's what humans use it for, but it's, it's just, it tra- literally transforms the wood. And that's what you're looking to do. At least that's what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to, you know, transform myself all the time. Like, what can I do differently? What can I do better? How can I show up for this client? So it's even more helpful. You know, how can I show up for somebody I'm not even thinking about right now, like online, you know, in social media that, that I, that c- it can be more helpful. That transformation and you know we talked about it in the beginning too it's a change isn't it it's all about creating change and i think it's great to use a mastermind to help you change yourself and you can just show up having no no goals no clue just like i don't even know why i'm in this mastermind but i'm here and you know just like you said with that dynamic of sparking ideas from other people you're like, oh, I can do that too. I can, I can be like that. That person's doing it. It doesn't seem hard. That seems amazing. I'm kind of jealous. That means I want to do it. You know, like all of that stuff can really brighten your career from then on in. I, okay. I think. It, I'm I think gonna, it's, I'm going to take your analogy even farther, which is that if you had, if you're in a mastermind with ten people, you join a mastermind, and nine of those logs are on fire, and you're not and you get thrown on a fire with nine burning logs, you get on fire really fast. <laughs> and that's, that, was like a, that was like a perfect analogy. And it's so true. Yeah. There's a name for you a book in there it. too, like two logs or something. There's like two logs, how to, <laughs> how to come on fire or something. There's, yeah. Right, yeah. My next yeah. book is no, no, You cannot help it. I don't know if you remember, but when I was in your mastermind that you led, which I, which Brand Design a- Masters Guild shameless plug for anyone listening (laughs) plug it away plug it away and i will back it up every time because that gave me i had the idea and the goals and that mastermind gave me the confidence i i Mm. when i look back at like you know new york times bestseller like all the stuff i've even just accomplished this year i might get a little emotional because that mastermind Mm. was where Mm. i got the confidence to turn it all around but what i wanted to say was in that mastermind, I showed up and I had a really incredible goal. And maybe you don't remember what that was, but um, if you don't, I, I will clue you in because everybody was like, don't do it. <laughs> I <laughs> I said, I wanted to earn what I earned in a year, in a month. 
And that's a common thing in the in the personal development industry. It is a common like push yourself kind of thing. It's like running an ultra marathon version of doing a business, right? It's like I want to earn in a year what in a month what I earned in a year last year. And people are like, that's got to be the dumbest thing I ever heard. Like, why would you want to do that? What you know, whatever. I showed up with that big goal, and I was like, really, nothing's going to stop me. And I did accomplish it. And the process of accomplishing it started then and the log started burning right then and there. And I needed everybody else to kind of give me input and give me thoughts. And some people flat out rejected it. And at first, and then some people were like, just like, you know, just like your face right now, like, huh? Yeah, that might actually be a thing. You might be able to do that. Let's let's give it a try. You know, so being curious, I think, is also a big part of masterminds. But um, yeah, the, the the logs of a flame great analogy. so amy it has been amazing talking to you as usual and so i'm i'm piloting this new podcast closing um question okay. series and it's called the okay. rapid fire 10 and i did not hip you to the fact that i was going to do this to you but Let's there's do 10, it. 10 questions with like one or two word answers and okay. uh some are easy some are hard and then the okay. final question which i'm going to close out the episode with okay you ready I'm ready. Number one. Fire away. What's your spirit animal? Oh, okay. My spirit animal is a turtle because it always takes its home with it. And after moving and um, moving from New Jersey to Vermont this, this past year, I, and just knowing what I know about life, it's uh, my spirit animal is a turtle. I always take my home with me. Morning person or night person? Oh, come on. A hundred percent morning person. My morning routine is a well-oiled machine. Don't even mess with it. I know exactly what I'm doing for the first hour and a half of every single day. Morning person, period. Okay. Beach or mountains? Oh, okay. I'm living in the mountains. So obviously it's beach. Okay. There you go. (laughs) Dog person or cat person? Dog person. What's your secret talent most people don't know you can do? I can probably guess your your sign without with only talking to you for like two minutes. Wow. Okay. Astrological sign. Astrological what, sign. What is your favorite song of all time? Tainted Love by Soft Cell. Beautiful. I love that. Number one, I have to say you answered that question faster than anyone else who I've ever asked that question to. Okay. Favorite place in the world? San Sebastian, Spain. What's the one thing you would love to master? My intuition. Who's your hero? Huh. I would probably say my future self is my hero. Like, if that's okay to say. That's okay. I don't know. That's what I'm coming up with right now. Okay. Finally, what's the one thing you would tell your 20-year-old self? <laughs> well, I told you that story about me being twenty year, my 20-year-old self. Um, so maybe I would say, hey, just be a copywriter right away. But you know what? All those experiences have come back to pay off dividends. So I would say, Amy, you're amazing. I love you so much. Keep going for it. Awesome. Okay. Final question I always ask my guests is, do you have a personal mantra or a manifesto that you try to live your life by? Okay, look, I'm a words person. Do you think I just have one personal mantra? I have like, you should see my home. I have Top like 10 personal mantras. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if it's okay, I want to share these four, which are kind of all in one. It's from the, the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Have you read that book? No. If you, if you haven't, 
there are four four mantras that I really and I and I know them very well. And also, I'm going to read them because um, I always forget this one. First, be impeccable with your word. I have been working on that for like about four years, and I'm still still not 100 percent with it. But it's a good it's a good thing to try. Second, always do your best. I love this one. Whenever I'm done with any client work or just any stuff, personal stuff at home, I look at it and I say like, did I do my best on this? If I didn't, I go back and I do it again. And if I said enough's enough, I know I can leave the court with everything, you know, all the sweat on the court and just kind of like leave it and, it, and it's done. Number three, don't make assumptions. Never make assumptions. It doesn't help you. And number four, don't take anything personally. Beautiful. Love it. Those are my mantras. Amy McGlynn, copywriter, marketing consultant. Thank you so much for coming on the Brand Design Masters podcast and talking to us. I would love to have you back in the future. And um, love to be here 100%. So, if people want to get in touch with you, how do people reach out to Amy McGlynn? What's the best place to get you? LinkedIn. I would say LinkedIn message me. I'm, I I love it. Let's just chat and um, let me know. Let me know what you need. I'm happy to help. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Amy. We'll have you back. Thank you, Philip. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.